Welcome to the City Voice podcast, where we explore the issues that impact Washington cities. Today, we'll hear part two of our two-part episode on legislative advocacy. On June 25th, as part of our annual conference, members of AWC's government relations team presented a recap of the 2021 legislative session, a preview of the 2022 legislative session, and guidance on how to work with state and federal legislators to become an effective advocate for your city. We'll hear first from Candace Bach, AWC's Director of Government Relations. Really happy today to be joined by Carl Schrader, our Deputy Director of Government Relations, and Sharon Swanson, our Government Relations Advocate. So last summer, we um, got some advice from some uh, legislators who are really city champions, and they're, they're, they've been in our corner. And so we'd like to share this advice with all of you. Um, the first piece here is sit down eye to eye and go over your budget with your legislators. Uh, remember, you know, for the most part, many of the legislators aren't coming from a city background. Um, they don't understand the, the complexities of your budget, and, and they probably aren't going to understand the complexities of city budgeting. But um, but but show make the effort and, you know, show them um, what you're doing and, and where your challenges are, where your successes are and you know, why um, state support is so important. Uh, so, so take that time to give them a, you know, a little bit better understanding of, of what your focus is with your budget. This next one, um, you'd think that a group of lobbyists wouldn't say to you, but it's so true and so important. Don't just rely on the lobbyists. Whether you you're talking about AWC lobbyists or if your city has a contract lobbyist, don't just rely on the lobbyists. They want to hear, legislators want to hear directly from city officials. They want to hear elected official to elected official. Um, so one of the, the, the worst moments for me talking to a legislator about what, what are priorities for cities is to hear them say, oh, I've never heard that from my city. Um, please talk to them and uh, don't just expect that the lobbyists will take care of it. Um, you are, um, you are, you way outnumber us and you are the, the multiplier effect for sure. And they need to hear it from you. And then you know, Sharon and Carl and I can come in and we can reinforce that. We can target that energy into a bill, but they need to hear from you first. Um, have a unified message. Uh, again, you'll see this in this theme in a, in a few different slides um, throughout this presentation. It's important that you as a city, you as a city council um, are speaking with the same voice. You have the same message. You're talking about the same things that are important to each other and, uh, and not um, confusing the legislators with mixed messages or mixed positions. Um, once you've adopted uh, a, a legislative agenda or you've identified what's important to your city, keep that message unified. Hopefully it's a, maybe it's even a regional message that you can keep unified. Um, it, this one sort of ties into that last one on the list about come with ideas and solutions. Um, having a unified message, don't expect legislators to sort out your problem. Um, you know, they're not gonna pick a winner. They're not gonna necessarily solve your problem for you. Um, they're not necessarily gonna pick you as the winner if you do go to them and ask them to pick the winner. So uh, come to them, you know, if you've got a problem that you're bringing to them, come with solutions and you know ideas if, if not, specific solutions, um, that's going to be much more effective. They work in these short cycles. And so there's not always a lot of time, particularly if you start late. 
If you're starting now, maybe you've got time to work out that really complicated issue. Don't bring them a problem in December. Um, they, they won't have time. You need to start talking to them now, which of course ties into that last one that I hadn't mentioned, which is to reach out to legislators legislators all year long. They really, as Sharon said, they, they really do want to talk with you. You're their constituent and you are their door to a wider group of their constituency. So you're important to them. Um, start early because again, once you get into November and December, they are in a, a crunch as well, preparing for session. There's not a lot of time to draft a bill and get it introduced and and to work out the, the, the kinks. So um, start now, it, it is definitely not too early. And again, the more you come with ideas and solutions, it makes it easy for them um, to, to move something forward if there's, uh, there's broad support. Uh, with that, we're gonna go ahead and move on to the next slide. I think this one is Sharon's. It is, hi. <laughs> okay, everyone. So meeting with your legislator. So here's some tips. Um, just kind of echoing what you you've already heard from Carl and from Candace. Um, these are these are people just like everyone else. So it's not complicated, but just some tips for you to know going in um, how to meet with a legislator. Um, as Carl referenced, he used to be a legislative assistant and the importance of a legislative assistant cannot be overstated. So oftentimes, if you're calling the office of the legislator, that's who you're going to contact is the legislative assistant. They keep the calendar. Um, they're the gatekeeper. And oftentimes, not always, but many, many times, those uh, younger legislative assistants are also from the district. So they may very well be from your community, if not from your actual city. So just something to keep in mind, you have a connection there as well. Um, you want to explain who you are, that you're a, an elected or an appointed city official from the area, and you're reaching out to your legislator. So if you don't have a relationship going in, uh, it's very important for them to understand who you are. And the legislative assistants will understand the importance of having a locally elected official reaching out to the legislator. Um, so when you go to schedule the meeting and, and actually have an opportunity, you're going to want to be a little bit flexible. I know that's hard. You have very busy calendars as well. Uh, but oftentimes legislators, as Carl referenced, uh, they're overwhelmed with phone calls and emails. There's always something blowing up that nobody had anticipated. Um, so their calendars are pretty full. It's not unusual for a legislator to be running behind maybe a few minutes, maybe a few more than a few minutes. Um, and so you want to have a little bit of flexibility built in. If you're meeting with a legislator during the legislative session, those meetings are scheduled for 15 minute periods of time. Um, and sometimes that can be truncated down to fewer than 15 minutes. So it's very important for you to be concise. Uh, best case scenario, you'll have the full 15 minutes, maybe even a little bit more. But uh, worst case scenario, you're gonna maybe have a few minutes and you're gonna need to let them know, remind them who you are, why you're meeting with them, what is the need that you're there to address, and then in a perfect world, you would have a recommended solution, um, sort of do or don't do something. Please vote for this bill. Please don't vote for this bill as it is. Um, but just remember, you want to be concise because it can be a very, very short window of opportunity. After you've had your meeting with the legislator, it's always a great idea to follow back up with their legislative assistant. 
Um, again, thanking them. Thank you for getting us in. Thank you for the time. Um, here's my contact information from your perspective. Um, if that LA needs some more, uh, you know, needs to come back to you or if there's a question down the road. Um, the legislators really do rely on their legislative assistants. So having that legislative assistant connect back to you, have your contact information um, is a really valuable resource for them. Um, something else to do is check in regularly. Don't, as Carl mentioned, you don't want to just reach out when you need something or when you're reaching out to, um, you know, maybe advocate for something or complain about something. You want to reach out and give them regular updates. Uh, follow back up on particular conversations or bills that you've discussed with them or just checking in with them. How are things going? Do they need anything from you? Again, it's a little bit of the relationship maintenance that we've talked about, um, but again, just looping back so they know who you are, their legislative assistant knows who you are, and that there's a particular interest uh, in topic that you're interested in. So if that topic comes up, um, you know, they can reach back out to you. Um, everyone is really, really busy, as you know, so it's really important to uh, email and text if you can. Offer up your cell phone number. Hopefully you'll get their cell phone number in return. Um, I can't overstate how many times we would be texting legislators at all hours of the day, night, and on the weekends, just trying to get information uh, to them quickly. Um, just want to remind all of you, not that you need the reminder, but everything that we uh, put in text is a, a, a disclosable record. So sometimes fast and furious, you want to take a step back and remember um, that's all disclosable. Um, but so anyway, so yeah, those are just a few tips for you as you continue to meet with legislators. I think we're ready for the next slide. Before we go to that next slide, there is a question, um, and this is good timing for it. Um, the question is, when meeting with the legislator or LA, is it appropriate to ask them for their position on a bill? And what is the strategy for that? Um, you know, that, that last item on this slide about getting their commitment, it, it really, it's, it's fine. You should be asking how they feel about something um, and, you know, which way are they leaning? How are they, um, you know, do they plan to vote for it? Do they need more information? How can you help them get to that position? Carl or Sharon, any um, insights on that? Asking a legislator about their position? Yeah, I, you know, I guess my own approach is generally to be a little informal and, and try to just ask them what they're thinking about it. Have you heard about this thing and then share um, our perspective on it. And, you know, you can ask them, you know, what sort of information would you like to get to help you support your concern, you know, consideration of this issue? Is there anything that we can do to, um, you know, convince you of our um, point of view on that? Um, so yeah, I, you know, it's certainly definitely appropriate. I think um, you might feel it out a little bit in terms of the, the way that an individual legislator likes to communicate about whether you directly ask them outright or, um, you know, sort of slide your way into it. But um, if you don't know that, I would just not overcomplicate that and just ask them, you know, hey, what are you thinking about this issue? Yeah, and I would just add, um, if, if you ask them um, and it turns out they're not on the same side of the issue as you would like them to be, don't assume that they know your perspective. I mean, there is a way to sort of gently, uh, you know, well, we're concerned about that approach because of, and then offer up, as Carl said, additional information, additional resources, um, and work with the legislative assistant to maybe get another meeting and bring in some folks who can also advocate for the perspective that you would like the legislator to have. Um, and then we work to give them some additional information. At the end of the day, we may not reach an agreement, but at least you'll know that your position on the legislation has been explained. And then we can, you can rely on your AWC team to kind of work to maybe uh, amend things or, or make them more palatable. 
Thanks for that. And thanks um, for the question. We can head on uh, to the next slide now. Well, one of the things we've been talking about for uh, you know many years is we've worked to help support you in advocating for your interests um, with your legislature is the importance of building support from other parties and, and um, particularly other um, uh, community leaders and, and folks who are um, relevant to their particular district. And I, I wanted to give a quick example of um, how this really worked out well uh, this year for us on the multifamily tax exemption bill which I referenced earlier was a big success for us this year. Um, and again, that's a powerful and optional tool for cities to provide a tax exemption to support um, housing and affordable housing development. Um, and it's by and large very um, um, near and dear to the hearts of the cities who are, are using it as a, one of their most effective tools to support that kind of housing development. But statewide groups um, you know, frequently will critique that it doesn't generate as much affordability as uh, maybe they would like and they want to strengthen and, and put new um, requirements around that which we of course you know want to promote as much as possible affordable housing development but a key feature of this tool was the need to um, have it be flexible enough to be relevant to all communities and so in certain cities um, you know an affordability set aside um, you know can can work with their real estate market and in other places um, it basically would just mean that a um, development would choose not to go through the program and it, it wouldn't be effective. Um, so we were um, facing a pretty challenging conversation about how to balance those two um, competing interests. And um, the South Sound cities and their partners really stepped up, um, you know, the city of Tacoma and a number of the other cities in Pierce County uh, were really active in um, explaining and advocating for the val value of this program. And they brought online their partners in the regional chambers of commerce, um, folks like the Tacoma Pierce County Habitat for Humanity, uh, other housing providers in the area, as well as local architects and builders. And you know what that eventually um, you know looked like to a legislator was, gosh, look at all of these groups who are um, you know really community leaders in my area, key components of the ec economy and um, you know, good service providers. And they're looking at those um, very localized um, support networks or localized groups and weighing that against a sort of statewide philosophical argument. And that really, um, I think was replicated in a variety of regions around the state. It was a key reason why um, this program, which has been really controversial among some um, Democrats in the past was able to pass with both strong democratic votes as well as strong bipartisan votes uh, in both chambers um, and a, you know, proposals that we really couldn't get uh, much traction on at all in the, the previous several years uh, was able to get over the finish line. And you'll notice that we um, you know, recognize uh, the supporters, uh, both legislators as city champions, as well as some city staff uh, who operate these programs who really helped uh, in addition provide concrete information about how these policy decisions would work on the ground uh, for cities. So this was a, you know, a good combination of a lot of the different themes that you're hearing about today in terms of, you know, real data, building support, building that relationship and showing the breadth of interest in a community for a particular issue. Um, so anybody that's interested in that, um, you know, who wants further information, I'm obviously happy to chat about it, but just thought that that was a, you know, a highlight that might um, spur some thoughts for you as you think about advocating for your own city's interests. And I think we're ready for the next slide. Oh, before we go to the next slide, I, we, sorry, sorry to Shannon um, no. for that. Uh, 
I was just gonna say, um, you know, we had such a big and powerful um, coalition on TIP as well as tax increment financing um, with local government associations pulling together AWB, um, the Office and Commercial Parks um, uh, Association, WIDA, lots of individual cities, ports. Um, it, it really made a difference. I think this coalition building is also really important when a city has a specific capital request. And um, that's not something AWC works on or at, at all, but many cities are making a specific um, capital budget request. And I think these coalitions can be really valuable in demonstrating um, why that's needed. So sorry for that interruption. Um, we'll go on to the next slide now. So we know, um, you know, that legislators, they do have a difficult job. They're being asked for a lot of things. They're getting pushed and pulled in many different directions. They want to work with you as their local city officials. They, they want to help out constituents. They've also got um, other pressures in terms of like, where's their caucus at? Um, what does leadership want to do? What's going on in their committee? So they've got a lot of you know, competing interests that they are trying to balance. And that can lead to some, some common excuses for why they may not be able to help you with something. So we thought it's always helpful to give you a heads up on what some of those common excuses may be and how you can respond to them. Um, you know, often we are in the position of asking for the legislature to help us fund something, um, either new local revenue tools or um, direct funding or that capital project that you're, you as your individual city may be advocating for. Um, and so you may hear from the legislators, well, we can't help you, cities should raise their own revenue. Um, you, you can go out and raise your own revenue. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, again, it goes back to making sure that they understand, uh, one, you've got really limited revenue options. Um, and some of those revenue options that you have uh, go to are, are voter approved. And just the process of getting something before the voters, the cost of bringing something before the voters, it's not always feasible. Um, I think often legislators don't understand like um, how the, you know, how much revenue is, is feasibly generated from something. You know, I think you all can do your own math about what's a 1% bump in your property tax do for you. Well, that doesn't necessarily fund a whole lot on its own. So um, there are many reasons why a city can't get all the way to the finish line with something just on local revenues alone and need state support. There's also um, the fact that the state benefits from most of what the cities are doing. We generate the most revenue for them. So, um, so it's a, certainly, it's not a handout, it's a partnership and uh, re-emphasizing that with them when they say that, oh, you should just take care of it yourself uh, is one way to, to combat that excuse. I'm not on the committee. Another common refrain, um, you know, the legislature is broken up into issue area specific committees that hear bills and make and, and pass those bills forward or, or not um, in some cases. And so perhaps you are advocating for a policy that's going through a committee that they're not on. Well, that doesn't mean that they can't walk down the hall or pick up the phone or get on Zoom and talk to their colleagues who are on that committee. 
or speak up in caucus about the importance of something. They don't have to be on the committee to um, be helpful in moving in uh, a piece of legislation forward. Um, this one we this one is I don't know if it's new exactly, but uh, I think we're just like uncovering it more. Um, and that's that city, we hear from legislators sometimes that cities really want to be preempted. They really want the state to come in and solve the problem in a one size fits all approach um, because cities don't want to be the bad guy. They want the legislature to come in and, and fix something. Um, that is not true. And, uh, and you all know it. Uh, you know that one size fits all approaches from the state legislature don't necessarily work. Um, you know, it, it, what, what works in, in one part of the state doesn't work in another part of the state. You know that that's why you are elected to the positions that you hold is because your constituents, your residents trust you to make decisions and you wanna make those decisions that fit your community. So, um, you know, this is, it's a, it's a hard one to combat because it's always some other city that a legislator has heard from that wants to be preempted. Um, but just push back on that, you know, AWC's core principle and um, is about local, um, local democracy. That's uh, the, the phrase that we're using. It's the, you know, those local decisions, and we do not need state interference in that local democracy. Uh, let elected officials do what they're, um, they were elected to do. So don't be shy about standing up for that local democracy and, um, and uh, disabusing this myth that cities might want to be preempted. Um, cities should control their own costs. Uh, you know, that's an easy one for, for folks to say, oh, well, if you just, you know, controlled your own costs, then you wouldn't have this problem and, and you wouldn't need to come to us to solve it. <clears throat> uh, you know, there's there's a lot cities can do, a lot you can do um, in setting your budget about where you spend your money. Obviously, you're going to prioritize your um, scarce taxpayer dollars where it's most important for your community. And there are so many costs that are out of your control. Um, the state sets pension rates. They set workers' comp rates. You know, So a lot of those kinds of costs you don't have control over. Um, some of the things you buy when it comes to building infrastructure, you don't have control over how much concrete is costing or timber these days, right? Um, so you don't have control over a lot of your costs. So it, you are responsible for prioritizing where you're spending goes, but you also don't control a lot of what's driving your budget um, and, and where those uh, costs are going. So make sure they're aware of that and remind them that there are some of the costs that um, they control and that they're passing down to you without any real voice in them. Um, the state has other budget priorities. I mean, this is always true, right? The state, the legislature, they all have things they want to spend uh, those scarce tax dollars on as well. And um, that doesn't mean that what you're asking them to do isn't important and shouldn't be a priority. And that's where um, we'll talk a little bit later about a number of the resources that we have at AWC. But we, we've got data to show cities are a good investment and we are a good return on the state's investment. So um, we should be a budget priority. And then um, again, maybe one of those things that's being uncovered more recently is it's not an unfunded mandate if it's the right thing to do. Um, you know, you, cities should just do this even if we aren't gonna provide you funding because it's the right thing to do. Well, that's all well and good. And we may actually agree it's the right thing to do. 
that doesn't mean we can do it because we don't have the resources to do it. And so it's not about not wanting to do the right thing. It's about just there's not enough money to go around. And so we're not um, arguing maybe about it's the right thing or not. We're just saying if the legislature wants cities to do more work, they've got to provide the resources to make it happen. Um, so don't be afraid to push back a little bit on some of those excuses, these and others you might hear. Um, uh, don't give them an easy way out. Uh, with that, we'll go to the next slide. And um, getting a little bit short on time, and so I'll run through this quickly. This is particularly something we want you to start thinking about now, but um, is probably better time for the fall um, to start uh, working on adopting your city's legislative agenda. And when you do adopt it, you need to communicate it with your legislators. Don't keep it a secret. They're the ones who need to know, um, know about it. Um, share it with your constituents though too. Share it with your residents. Make, it, make everybody aware of what you're asking for. Keep checking in. Again, um, you, uh, you want to make sure legislators are aware of it and, and that you're working with them on what's the progress on this legislative agenda we are asking for. You know, you've got to start drafting bills early because it takes time. Um, we talked a lot about having partners, working with your partners on what's important to your city, what's your priorities. And then again, making sure everyone is pulling in the same direction, that they're hearing one message from your city about what's important and that you're all talking off the same page and the same legislative agenda. Again, start thinking about what you want to put on that agenda now, plan to adopt it in the fall and be communicating with your legislators about it as early as possible. Um, and with that, we'll move to the next slide. We're going to turn it over to our attorney not to give legal <laughs> advice at all in any way, shape or form. No, this is like the tagline at the end of the prescription drug commercial. Um, no, so don't be intimidated by uh, the PDC or the slide here. So just basically, and I wanna let you know, so the Public Disclosure Commission or the PDC, they enforce the public disclosure law in Washington. And basically what that boils down to is everything's disclosable and there's tracking who's meeting with legisl statewide legislators, um, and who is lobbying them. And so the, the, the law was passed in 1972 by an initiative of the people. And what it does basically is it includes important legal restrictions for how cities and towns communicate with their legislators and constituents about legislative issues at the state level. So again, don't be intimidated by this. Um, AWC has some great resources, some checklists, some um, examples for you on our website. Um, so that, that's there as to what is and is not reportable. Um, additionally, the Public Disclosure Commission has an excellent website with a lot of materials. You can contact their staff if you have a question. Um, and always, as always, I would encourage you to talk to your city attorney. Always seek the advice of your city attorney because as Candace just reminded all of us, this is not legal advice, just something that we want you to be aware of as you get more engaged in the lobbying world and the advocacy world. There are some guidelines you need to be aware of. I just want to thank uh, Carl and Sharon for being uh, here with me today. And I want to remind everybody out there, we have an amazing government relations team here at AWC. If you need help from any of us on anything, feel free to reach out. Um, we'll make sure you get uh, the answer that you need. And again, thank you all um, for participating today. And, and we really hope this helps you be strong city advocates.
Thank you for listening. Please note that the audio clips from this session were edited for length and clarity. 